Welcome to Vets Beyond the Uniform, a weekly podcast that focuses on helping veterans successfully find and integrate into new careers after leaving the military service. Listen in as our hosts and guest experts share key insights on the successful programs helping veterans to enter and thrive in the civilian workforce. For more information after the program, please visit us at VetsBeyondTheUniform.com. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome to the Vets Beyond the Uniform podcast. I am Mally Mancia, and joining me today from Vets Beyond the Uniform, I have Paul Savalani and Dave Beadle. On today's show, Paul and Dave will be talking with Eric, Doc Wright, Ph.D., founder of Vets 2 p.m., and co-founder of Veteran Project Manager Mentor Alliance. Welcome, everyone. Well, thank you, Mally. Great to be here, as always. Thanks, Mally. So, Doc, welcome to the show. We're so happy that you're here today. And I've got to look at your, your background here. Dual service, dual era military veteran. You're a serious business founder, right? Founder of Vets 2 p.m., uh, and the co-founder of the nonprofit Veterans Project Management Mentor Alliance. Um, you're also a two-time Amazon number one best-selling business author. You're a philosopher and a linguist. And if that's not enough, you spend a massive amount of time dedicated to helping military veterans. We're going to dive into that in the show, and we're going to try to figure out what makes Doc tick and how that's working and how, how you've been so successful. But since you're a military veteran, we want to start off with hearing about your transition from the military service into the civilian world because a lot of our audience, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to find that path. How do I leave the military and how do I get to a successful career in the, in the civilian world? And we use a lot of the experience for that. So if you could kind of share a little bit about that, that would be awesome. Yeah, and I got to tell you, Paul, uh, you know, not bad for an old grizzled Navy welder, right? So 30 years later, it ended up uh, landing where I've landed. But but it was a crazy 30 years in between. So I was medically washed out of two different services, um, uh, an old Navy Gulf War guy and then post-9-11 Army guy. Um, and my transition took about 12 years. And at one point, it almost killed me, but thank God I... Uh, was raised as a believer, and I was too big of a coward to pull the trigger. So um, I had to remake myself, and I've now done that, I don't know, half a dozen times, ten times. Um, and you do that by the things that I'm going to talk about today, which is achieve fluency in the language they speak in the business uh, labor force, learn how to tell stories, learn how to ask for help. You do those things as a vet transitioning, they'll still be tough, but it gets a lot easier. And I know because I've done it with over 4,000 at this point in six years. Wow. Wow. So before we pass it over to Dave, I do want to point one thing out to Dave. Two Navy vets on the call. Dave, two Navy vets. Let's make sure we understand that. Okay. Because typically it's the other way around. So there we go. Anchors away, buddy. Anchors away. So go ahead, Dave. (laughs) Well, that, that's great. Thanks for passing that over to me, Paul. I can say, though, that, you know, yes, I am the lone Marine on the call today, but who you to the Army since I come from a long line of um, relatives who have served in the Army from grandfather who was a Webb's Point grad and uh, decorated World War II veteran uh, dad who was also dual service. He went Navy and Army. So um, there you go. I think we, I think we all fit in quite well. 
Yeah, so we do. Doc, that was that. That's kind of a, a challenging transition, and uh, you know, you've been you've been out for for thirty plus years, and and I know I've been out a couple of years longer than that. Uh, what is it about your transition that really drove you to what you're doing now? Well, you know, uh, it's it's you know. So in addition to being a believer, uh, I took a lot of uh, religious studies in college, trying to find my way through college, right? Mm-hmm. And so anyway, kind of kind of ended up with some a, a smidgen of uh, Buddhism thrown into the the Southern Baptist Christian upbringing, but um, really uh, it it ended up. Um, and I just lost your question. Dave, hit me again, my friend. It's live yeah, TV. It's so. <laughs> Not Dave, a worry, man. Dave, Not a worry. Dave, he is a sailor. Remember that, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm trying try, try to take that dude. Okay, yeah, no you worries. have to go no slow worries. with us. <laughs> <laughs> not, not your crayons there, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> I've got I've got my crayons going. We're good. They're they're sharp, so we're in good shape. No, it was just a, I was looking to see what what really is the connection between your transition, as challenging as it was. And yeah. what you're doing now, and that that also kind of leads into tell us about the mission of Vets to PM, and also your your nonprofit. Yeah, so it's all about so you know it's all about giving back, and uh, that's one of the principles is you know you want to you want to have a filling life, learn to give back, learn to make it about other people than yourself. So, you know, I, uh, we only lost 286 folks in the Gulf. Um, my buddy was one of them, right? So uh, it, you know. That was a bit painful, and so really, because I'm still here, I kind of feel like I got to to earn my keep on this rock. Because I'm I was a a Christian and a coward, I'm still here, so I got to wake up every day and I got to give back. And the litmus test is super simple. I'm a welder. Get a blueprint, put two pieces of metal together, run a nice bead, bang, chip, right? Like welding. So I try to keep everything simple, right? And basically, it's wake up every day and help at least one military veteran. Avoid the, you know, soup sandwich that I went through um, by helping them achieve a meaningful, lucrative post-service career through fluency in the language of the civilian labor force, which is management and the dialects that I know, you know, most veterans have. Hey, I was a jet propulsion mechanic. Hey, I was a project manager. Hey, I was a special forces guy or gal. Hey, I was a pilot. Like, you always have operational experience and you have specialized experience. So, we, I really just teach veterans fluency so they look like, sound like, act like civilians so they don't know they're vets. They hire them, and then they find out at the company picnic over a beer that they're veterans. You know what I mean? Right. So, so how critical do you think this concept or this idea of getting fluent in, in civilian speak really is to the veteran and, and being successful in the long term? Well, I'll tell you what, brother. So uh, super um, I know because we've done it over 4,000 times, but let me illustrate with my own personal example. So I'm trying to figure out what I'm doing. So I go get an associate's degree in general science, nothing. I go get a bachelor's in psychology, and the counselor tells me after I achieve the bachelor's that, oh, you want to practice? You're going to have to have a Ph.D. And I'm like, get out of here, right? I didn't know at the time I would eat that crow later and become a Ph.D. Veteran. So I said, get out of here. You know, uh, well, you can go be a, a mental health tech for nine bucks an hour. I'm like, oh, okay, wait a minute. I got, you know, I didn't read the fine print. So several degrees later, I don't know, 12, 15 professional certificates um, later, it's, it's, I finally figured out, hey, uh, if you get fluent in business, this works. And specifically, the dialect I learned, uh, the, the, the refined dialect of project management that I learned 
really opened my eyes to the larger language of business. I was at the Department of Defense. I was an intern. I was a 36-year-old intern, right? So, like, if that's not humbling, right? Well, fetching talks and doing whatever, getting squeaky for They figured out I was kind of a mediocre accountant, and I scared the rest of the accountants pretty bad. I was loud. I was gregarious. I didn't stay at my desk. I didn't like my spreadsheets very much. So they made me a project manager, which got me out of the office. So my boss didn't have to fire me, and they got a project manager, and I could speak accounting and do projects on financial accounting systems and all that stuff. Dave, once I figured out that everything I had learned in the military about forming teams and equipping teams and taking care of the boss and identifying requirements, once I became fluent in project management, brother, my fortunes immediately, I mean, changed almost overnight. Now, it was a year or two, okay, but literally went from GS7 to GS13, 14 promotable in like six, seven years flat, right? Left there, I got recruited out of DOD into higher ed, so uh, youngest professor on the campus where I was. Uh, why? Because I could do projects as well as teach, right? So project management really kind of was that, that, that professional land of milk and honey for me. Um, and then I just learned to speak business, you know, became fluent in the, the larger language of business through the PhD in uh, business admin and spent years at university until I decided to do my own thing to help vets. Took 500 bucks and a vision, and here we are six years later, or over 4,000 served. I'm closing in on McDonald's. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I got, I got a comment, though. You're talking about your college experience. Mine was almost identical. I spent the, the decade of the 80s in college, and I got the exact same thing. I got, okay, great. I'm going to get the, get this degree. I started as an engineer, flunked out of that, um, went to business, and then decided, that, oh, wow, this exercise physiology stuff is kind of cool. So I got a bachelor's in that, and then I found out, okay, in order to get a job, I had to get a master's. And then the next thing, I'm finishing up the master's in order to do the next thing. Well, if you really want to do this, a PhD. And I finally said the PhD. I said, nah, I'm not doing that. So I, I bailed before I went into the PhD program, but I was heading on the same path. For me, what kept me out of PhD program is I really did not like doing research. So... <laughs> Yeah, what, anyway. what kept me out, brother, is I underestimated my own skills and I overestimated the scope of what I was about to do, and they kick you out at seven years, and I finished at six years, ten months, brother. True, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, my, <laughs> mine was a long path, too. I, uh, before I actually got my, my diploma, the sheepskin, I think it was another five years because I left uh, with my, my master's thesis still dangling there, and I had to finish that up. That took another couple of years to get that finally done. So it was about five years after, and I think I was pretty close to the – the time limit as well so yeah it yeah. happens and and yeah that was my journey was was a long one just like yours was i left in in 1980 and uh before i finally got settled into a career path it was mid-90s so it, it can yeah. take a while it can take a while so talk a little bit about i mean there's certainly some obstacles that you've already talked about that you ever came to get where you are so what kind of obstacles are you seeing uh right now um, in terms of how are you, you – you've helped an amazing number of veterans through Vets to PM, but you also have uh, this nonprofit, this Vets Program Manager Mentor Alliance. How do those two work together? Yeah, so here's some of the – so they, they, they all kind of coalesce. The fibers coalesce into make a sweater, right? And here's basically how it works. You have to learn how to speak business. Imagine sitting in an interview, and I don't care – who you transition through and what services you use from what company and whether they're free or paid or like whatever. We can have that argument all day long. 
Here's the reality. If you're sitting in an interview and they mention P&L, AP, JIT, those all mean something. Those are all management words, profit and loss statement, whatever. If you don't know what they just said, it shows on your face. You literally are staring at them like a deer in the headlights, and they know you don't know what they're talking about, and the interview's over, regardless of how many more minutes they placate you with, like, pretending to interview you. You're underqualified, and you'll get a letter that says that. So learn to speak civilian first is the biggest hurdle from what I've seen working with thousands of, of transition military veterans, right? They tell you in tax class, don't speak military, but they don't tell you what to speak. So then on top of that, wear a suit. Okay, great. When I started wearing cool socks and cool pocket squares, my entire game changed. But I didn't know what a pocket square even was. I didn't know you could go get one at JCPenney's for 14 bucks and stick it in your pocket. It just makes you stand out in an interview. So the nuances of dressing, okay, that's another thing. And then learning to network, which entails a couple things, Dave. You have to ask people for help. You have to learn how to use LinkedIn, and you have to learn to talk about yourself. Those are three things that the average vet is not very comfortable doing at all, right? Yeah. So you add those half a dozen things up, brother, and it's just a succession of hurdles that get taller and closer together, and the timer's running out, brother, because you've got to get a paycheck on the other side of that transition. So it just makes it a really tough race to run, right, if you, if you don't know any of that stuff going in. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, and then because of that, so my training company, my LLC, we teach vets to translate their, their, their military operational and specialized experience into hot credentials and bodies of knowledge and stuff like that so they sound civilian. We then train them to go get the credentials that prove that fluency, and then we place them for life into cyber, project management, HR management, and general management and or entrepreneurship, right? That's what we do. We do that for life. So. Corporate America called me and said, hey, Eric, dude, we love what you're doing. These guys and gals are crushing it, bro. Uh, but, yeah, we don't have anything in place to help them continue their journey, like help them mature now that we've hired them away from you. So what we did, Dave, is uh, me and, a, and, a, and my buddy Joe Puzz, a corporate America guy, we established the nonprofit Veteran Project Manager Mentor Alliance. And basically it's a digital platform. Uh, where successful civilian project managers from Boeing, Microsoft, USAA, I mean, you name them, Ford, they're in there. And they mentor veterans that have already transitioned. So this is not a transition thing. This is not like a Veterati or an American Corporate Partners. This is, hey, I know I'm a project manager. I eat it, live it, breathe it, sleep it. I'm credentialed. Like, I'm ready to crush it. The, you, you, you already have the career and these folks mentor you on how to be a, a better project manager. So um, it, it's in case you haven't figured out, project management is kind of my bailiwick. So I, I kind right. of stay in that lane. Yeah, it's what the VPMMA is. Yeah, and I, and I really want to hone in on something you said there because that is a big difference, I think, in what you're doing with the VPMMA is you're talking to those veterans that have already transitioned and are already out there in the workforce. You and I both know that, that that hits a hot button to what uh, to what we do. But talk a little bit about why it's so important to talk to that veteran within their first, like, one, two, three years post-military service. Well, again, brother, because you just don't know what you don't know. And 
again, if you didn't learn the language of the civilian workforce, you have trouble asking. I mean, you know, think about being in a, in a you know, all the times we got deployed, okay? You're lucky if you can find a hot meal or a bathroom. I mean, you know what I mean? Because you don't speak the language. So that's the first thing you got to get under you is, hey, how do I converse with the folks around me? Uh, but, but then, like, just the nuances that you don't know. So, for example, this, this landmine gets quite a, quite a few of us. You, if you don't look at the org chart, if you don't look at the company's website, you literally may be sitting in a meeting next to the CFO and never realize that that might have been an opportunity to ask a couple of nice questions or start a little dialogue. And that's somebody that might like take a notice to your career. I mean, one of the one of the most prolific advocates I ever had was my uh, mentor. She was the CFO for a DoD uh, component agency. And I swear to God, she had a photographic memory. She's got to be the most brilliant person I think I've ever met. And she took a liking to me. She said, hey, son, you've got chops. Like, you, you're, you're a project manager. You put structure to all the marshmallows I get tossed. i got to figure out how to fund them. You figure out how to execute them. And so it was just a really great relationship. So, um, you know, the, the mentor piece just kind of feeds into all of that. Yeah, and we all know the statistics, too. What's – veterans get into that first job post-military, they're, you know, 45% of those guys are going to leave that first job within the first year, up to 65% leave within um, two years. So having some place where they can go back to, because I think that that's where the disconnect happens a lot of times. The transition organizations do a great job of what we call the lift and shift, getting you from one job to another. But then after that, they kind of like brush their hands and say, okay, great, you got a job. See you later. There's nothing there. Yeah to really help them with what we call the transformation into a civilian um, and helping them ensure that long-term career success. Yeah, and i got to tell you, so, Dave, I I just really love what you guys do uh, at Vets because, uh, and I'm talking about the employer side of the house now, so I'm going to switch gears on you just a second, right? Like, that's probably not your program, but I love your employee designation program because, that's part of this equation, right? Like, this doesn't get done. If, if, if you and I help the veteran be more civilian-esque, so the civilians know how to communicate with them and value them and pay them appropriately and whatever, if the organization doesn't know what the heck they're doing, half that equation is busted. Now it's all on the veteran. And that's why I think they – I don't have any scientific data to back this up, my friend, but I think that's why we jump within 12 or 18 months. You know, mediocre leadership – decision-making, analysis by paralysis. I mean, in general, I'm talking about. And companies that don't even make an attempt to integrate the vet, right? You're just, we're walking around despondent, brother. And and as soon as we decide one morning on the way in, hey, I'm done with this. Nine, 12, 18 months in, man, we go to our second place thinking grass is going to be green over there. Sometimes it just means there's more poop on the other side of the fence, right? Like, you figure out after the second, third, fourth job, like, oh, (laughs) It ain't going to get me better. Okay, I guess I'll have to adapt. So Absolutely. I really think what you guys are doing is helping to fix the other part of that equation. Yeah, well, we appreciate that. And, and you're right. There's, uh, and there actually is some good data out there. It's one of the, one of the things that we used. Uh, a lot of information coming out of uh, IVMF Institute of Veteran Military Families from Syracuse University, as well yep. as uh, CNAS. Uh, Center for National, and I always forget what they're on, but they wrote up a great, uh, very well-researched, tons of literature and the bibliography about this problem exactly, and they looked at it from both 
the employer side and the veteran side and keyed in on a lot of things that you just highlighted in terms of where is the disconnect on the employer side. So that is one of the things that we're trying to tackle. So talk to me a little bit about as a community. So we, we brought in Vets Beyond the Uniform and what we do and what you guys do. But as a community of veterans, and there's a lot of other partners that we both interact with, how can we help support your organization and what you do? Well, I mean, I, you know, I talk to these other organizations because we're all in the same fight at the end of the day, right? Like, how do we help make the next guy or gal's transition not so brutal? But, um, you know, they, they got to get fluent. I, I don't care what career field you want to go into. I don't care whether you want to start your own business or go work for somebody else. Like, I, if you're not going to retire, retire, right? Like, if you've got gas left in the tank and you're going to go to the civilian workforce, you got to get fluent in management. And here's why. We speak leadership when we're coming out of service. Leadership means something very specific to a civilian. It means leader. Oh, you think you're an executive. You think you belong in a C-suite, but you've got zero industry experience. That interview's already over. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Also, leadership, leadership is a function. It's one of the four functions of general management. We plan what we're going to do, set the metrics, all that stuff, standards of performance. We then organize all the resources necessary to do the plan. We lead the people in the execution of the plan, and we control the whole thing, plan versus performance the entire time, and lather, rinse, and repeat until we get the desired outcomes. Okay, so you have to know, know the language of management. So first thing, send them to Amazon, have them buy the book, or donate a book to their buddy, how to speak civilian fluently and prove it with your CM credential. It's a business 101 course. It's the same course I used to teach my, my, my freshman uh, uh, undergrad students, right, business 101. It's the vocabulary and the sentence grammar that you're going to need to be able to interview and or get, uh, have successful promotion conversations. The next thing is, is uh, I would send them to vets2pm.com. With, with the degree fields we cover, Dave, I've got about 30 to 40% of the career fields for any E7 to 05. That's our sweet spot. I've got project management. I've got cybersecurity management. I've got human resource management, and I've got general and or entrepreneurship management. Right, so we can cover down on about 30 or 40 percent of the meaningful, lucrative careers out there, uh, and it's the program that I wish I would have had when I transitioned out. I, I wouldn't have found myself on that dark night. Okay, now my life would have been different, so I had to go through it and get the battle scars. But my, I wouldn't have been at that dark night. So, um, and by the way, this entire program that I'm talking about is DoD approved. We're a skill bridge provider, so we just make all that stuff available a la carte two veterans that have already transitioned out if they can't do skill bridge. So it, it's, it's in a way it's proven and advocated for because DOD approved us as skill bridge. Now, I'm not saying DOD endorses us, okay? That's not what I'm saying, but, you know, you can do the math. Yeah. Hey, let's, let's focus in a little bit on the, the, the skill bridge stuff because I know that there's been a lot of talk about skill bridge lately, and it's been, it's been around for a while, but some of the challenges were – not enough employers on the outside knew what it was or were um, qualified to do it. Hence, it wasn't really well supported by the commands to let the people go. So can you give us just a quick overview of SkillBridge and, and how are you helping to kind of close that gap? Yeah, great point, and I love that you cite all those. So, you know, commander's got a mission, and it, it is not let my people go. <laughs> mission, yeah, but, right. Um, <laughs> But, you know, and corporate America's got a problem, too. Corporate America hears the word intern and thinks, oh, hey, we only, we only take college kids uh, to work for free uh, during the summer. 
Now I'm talking about a cat who has 15, 20, 25 years of experience and is not an intern, and it's paid internship, by the way. Uncle Sugar's covering the dime. All you got to do is give them meaningful, lucrative, uh, uh, meaningful, purposeful work, right? So anyway, basically any active duty service member who can talk the commander into it can have up to about six months of time to go do what we call a residency. And the reason we call it a residency and not an intern is, A, corporate America doesn't like the word intern. B, uh, when we explain what residency is, they get it. And here's what we do, Dave. It's not enough to be able to just talk civilian. You have to be able to talk civilian and show what you can produce. So what we do is, in all of our tracks, the candidate um, gets into the program. They get on-the-job training in the job from the site host who we train and provide a program guide and stuff to. Here's your expectations. Here's how you do it, whatever. We provide daily support through virtual meetings, daily stand-ups or scrums or whatever you want to call them, so that the, the, the folks actually get a portfolio of doing HR benefits or doing project management, planning it agilely or predictively or hybridly or whatever. Then in the credentials that corporate America tells us they help them prove somebody, hey, I should see a, an APHR on my HR guy or gal. Hey, I should see a, a PSM, a professional scrum master, a PMP on my project manager guy. Uh, hey, I should see at a minimum a security plus from CompTIA on my cyber guy or gal. We, we help them get those credentials as well so that now I have a portfolio of experience and I have the credentials to prove it. Now I look like you, I sound like you, I act like you, and I can talk about what I can do in terms of what I did for the last civilian company I was at. Um, and, and so far, I mean, we're not even advertising our pro. Well, <laughs> until now, <laughs> we're not even advertising our program, and we are literally, <laughs> we are literally getting 50-ish uh, inquiries a month. I mean, it's 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 we've got more wow. uh, folks looking than we've got slots that, that, that we can fill, Dave. It's crazy. That's that's great. That's great to hear. And I think there's there's kind of the the chicken and the egg on a, on a bit of this. And so we're out trying to help find more employers that are looking to do this as well as uh, I think the word is certainly getting through to the, uh, to the transitioning service member community. So this is, this is good stuff to hear. This is good stuff to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're kind of coming towards the end of our show here. Is there anything else that, uh, that you wanted to make sure that we understood about what you're doing or in particular, what you think veterans need in order to, get fluent and make this transition so that they're going to be in successful in their, in their long-term careers. Well, I'll tell you, Dave, so I'm a big fan of lifelong learning, obviously, you know, five degrees and umpty 19 freaking certificates or whatever. But here's what I would say is, you know, I've already talked about my book. I think that can help any vet in general, right? Whether you're going to go into, you know, welding or, or whatever you're going to do after service, right? There's still, the business of welding, generate revenue, control expenses, which equals a profit, like plow the profit back into the company, whatever. The right. other book I would tell you is, and, and this overcomes a big hurdle, is uh, I'm a big fan of reading. So here's another book for everybody. One of the things that, in my humble opinion, after working with over 4,000 vets in the last six years, is that we don't do well. We don't ask for help very well, if at all, and we don't talk about ourselves. We talk about the team. We talk about the mission. We talk about oh, our yeah. sisters. But we don't talk about ourselves. Well, 
the average civilian will talk about themselves all day long and then, you know, for an extra 15 minutes more on Sundays, right? So you need to be able to tell your story. And I don't mean story like to make this, uh, you know, like we're not having Dr. Seuss hour here. What I'm telling you is here's who I am. Here's what I can do. Here's why that matters to you. A clear, competent, concise, confident story about you and what you can do. The book for that day, it will change. It has changed hundreds of service members' lives that I recommend it to is Donald Miller, M-I-L-L-E-R, the guy, Donald Miller, has a book called uh, Building a Story Brand. If you learn to tell stories like that cat recommends, you will be formidable on your LinkedIn profile, networking conversations, uh, 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 job interviews. Like it's just, it, 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 it fundamentally shift. Um, and it's, and I like action, right? Hey, don't speak, uh, don't, don't talk military. Hey, network, network, network. Okay. How do I network? And then like it's crickets. So learn to tell your story competently, competently, concisely, get Donald Miller's book. It'll, it'll, it'll change your, your professional life. Yeah. Uh, one other thing I wanted to say is how can people reach you guys? Especially veterans. Okay. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the companies at uh, vets2pm.com, Victor Echo Tango Sierra, the number two, popamike.com. They can check out the Veteran Project Manager Mentor Alliance at www.thevpmma.org, right? Uh, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm under DocWright2012 as the handle. Um, and then we've got a cool YouTube channel where we put out a video or more every single week educating veterans and educating corporate America and whatever. So uh, between those two or those three or four different uh, URLs, man, you can, you know, you, you can get education and entertained at the same time for free. You pay for the whole seat, Dave, but you're only going to need the edge. There you go. There you go. Well, the other thing I love about it is I thought I was the only overeducated mofo on this channel, and you've got five degrees. I only have three, so you beat me by two, dude. <laughs> I know, brother, but I also did that for decades in school you didn't have to, man. So you win. <laughs> You're smarter. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap us up, too. So, Mally, why don't you take us out of here before we get in too much more trouble? Great. Thank you so much, Dave. And thank you, Doc, for joining us as a guest on our show today. All links and contact information for Vets 2PM and VPMMA will be posted in the show description. Paul and Dave, thank you for another wonderful show today. As always, please feel free to check us out at VetsBeyondTheUniform.com or we can be reached via email at training at VetsBeyondTheUniform.com. Thank you for tuning in and listening, and have a wonderful day, everyone. Thanks again, Doc. Take care, all.